0: And the very model of a modern major general to. <laughs>
1: to yet another episode of The Finance Burrito, which is the number one burrito-themed financial podcast on the airwaves, probably, I think. Um, Anyway, my name is Liv G, and I'm a finance journalist at comparison website mozo.com.au, and joining me today, as always, is my podcast sidekick and colleague, Tom Watson.
0: Hello, hello. Uh, You know, this is our 10th episode, right, Liv? So- Double
1: digits. Yeah,
0: a milestone. A small milestone, mm, but you know, pretty, pretty awesome nonetheless. So a big thank you to everyone who's you know joined us on the, uh, on the way so far. We hope that you feel more entertained and more financially savvy for having mm. listened to us. and um, if you don't, well, just keep listening anyway. But yeah, let's, uh, let's get on to the show live, because it's a big one today, and uh, what are we going to be chatting about?
1: Yes, it's a big one. We're talking taxes. Jobs and home ownership—some, some, some really big topics—and um, it's because bum, bum, we are talking about the twenty twenty federal budget. Pretty wild stuff. Wild. Pretty exciting. Hopefully, it won't be too <laughs> tedious. Um, We're going to try and streamline it and sort of run through with some of the budget measures which really impact younger Australians the most.
0: Yeah, and there are a few pretty uh, significant ones in there, so we'll definitely uh, go through those. Um, After that, we'll be changing course, though, by uh, chatting to a very special guest about financial imbalance in relationships, including uh, her own experiences. Mm -hmm. Then, as always, we'll end the show... By spilling the beans on a mystery topic because I've got to write it down, so that's why it's a
2: mystery
0: <laughs> topic. <laughs> anyway, let's uh, get into the meat. So this is the section of the podcast where we dive headfirst into a timely topic and break it down using figures and you know our own collective genius.
1: Indeed, we do, and it's a meaty subject today. So the twenty twenty budget a budget like no other. Um, I imagine Josh Frydenberg announced some burrito related measures in this year's budget. Did he? Maybe. Um, yeah, We'll have to go back and look at that later. Okay. Um, but the budget definitely contains some pretty important elements that will directly affect millennials. So I'm not going to wade through everything, but instead we're going to stick to three areas affecting younger Aussies. And let's start with tax. So Tom, you've landed the very fun task of explaining to me and everyone listening what has changed in regards to tax and why exactly it matters.
0: Okay, shuffling my papers that I've got (laughs) ready to explain this, um, I will will do my best here. So the first thing to say uh, is that there are two important changes here. The first of which is that the government has brought forward some tax cuts, which were originally scheduled for July 2022, and those cuts uh, pretty much affect higher income earners. Uh, The second element is that the government has delayed the removal of the low and middle income tax offset until July next year. Uh, So it was brought in the year before last, I believe, and that's staying until Mm. the end of this financial year. And Obviously, by its name, it affects low and middle income owners. Um, cool. Now, I believe that both of these have now been legislated as well. So, basically, millions of workers will start seeing the impact on their pay slips of both of these pretty soon.
1: Right. So, it sounds it sounds pretty good, but I guess with these things, I always want to know... Exactly how much I can expect back. So give me some dollars to work with me.
0: Yeah, screw, screw the details. It's all about the dollar <laughs> figures. Who cares? Yeah, it's dollar, tax dollar right. bills. Like, to- cool. totally. Yeah. Okay, so I have crunched some numbers um, using a super helpful tool that the ABC um, made in their own uh, budget and tax analysis. So, we'll, Oh, uh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll pop it up on socials as well so other people can do their own incomes and mm-hmm. have a read because, you know, really interesting. So anyway, the figures. So, for someone making $25,000 a year, so maybe a casual or a part-time worker, they'll be mm-hmm. $255 better off compared to the tax that they paid last financial year. Cool. So, that's number one. That
1: works. Yeah. Yes.
0: It's clear. $255. For someone on $65,000 a year, they'll be $1,080 better off. This I'm quite a bit of a jump. Yeah, that's right. And then for someone earning $105,000, say, they'll be $1,755 better off. So again, Hmm. another big jump. Uh, So lots of people will pay less tax this year compared to last, especially people earning up to $120,000. Um, Ooh,
1: the big spenders.
0: So it's worth saying that these will change in future years as some of the measures wear off, especially for the lower income earners. Um, and that's kind of where the major criticism comes in. Are these tax cuts fair if they disproportionately advantage workers on high incomes? You know, uh, this isn't a politics podcast, so uh, I'm not going to get into that rabbit hole um, I think we should fair just uh, avoid that. But yes, so yeah, those, are the, <laughs> those are the tax changes.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a big one, probably for lunch break or another uh, episode entirely. Yes. Um, but that's the thing about tax, right? So it's like relevant to the very fortunate people like us who have a job, but um, a lot of people don't have a job at yeah, the moment, fair. which is, um, you know, so there uh, there've got to be other things that um, help those kinds of people. And we know that COVID has really impacted young workers. So the september figures from the abs um, put youth unemployment at 14.5% compared to the overall rate of 6.9% and that's not even getting into underemployment statistics of people who are employed casually or part-time and they're not really um, getting the amount of work they want mm. so the next budget measure that we're going to talk about is job maker
0: job maker so mm. very much on brand with job keeper job seeker home builder all of those different things, but mm-hmm. uh, this is different, right?
1: Yes, they've got that you know capital letter in the middle of the word, but it is different. So um, in, in essence, the idea of JobMaker is that the government will provide businesses with subsidies to hire young people, and the Treasury reckons it'll support about 450,000 jobs.
0: Okay, that's pretty straightforward. Um, I'm mm. guessing there are some more details though. Yes, there's
1: always an asterisk beside these yeah. things. Hey? Um, it gets a little bit complicated, but um, the key parts to remember are that, A, yes, it's going to businesses, so not the people who are working out there. And basically, that means employers will be able to claim a wage credit, so like a certain amount of money, and it's um $200 per week per employee for every extra person they hire aged between 16 and 29. Mm-hmm. So that's every week. And then there's also $100 a week for workers aged 30 to 35. So there's a bit of a, a few, like a, a decrease as the ages right. go up, but, but it cuts very off very much
0: hard. targeting younger Australians.
1: Yeah, definitely. So people at the sort of the start of their careers, they hope. Um, and, um, then B or two, if you will, um, <laughs> the new employees um, have had to have been on some kind of um, government allowance, like youth allowance or JobKeeper, prior to being hired and for about three in those three months prior to being hired. Mm. And then C, number three, um, the employees being hired need to be given at least 20 paid hours of work per week. So it's while it's getting them employed, that, that isn't a full-time position necessarily. Right. And then um, finally, the scheme's only running for up to 12 months at this stage.
0: Okay, so the government gives businesses money and then mm-hmm. the businesses use that money to hire young workers. Yes. That makes sense. Uh, I guess, are there any concerns about JobMaker, though, apart from its name?
1: Yep, very fun name. Um, there have been a couple. And um, the first is that businesses could, in theory, um, hire two casual or part-time workers and get double that subsidy Subsidy instead of hiring one full-time worker. And with sort of the casualisation of the workforce, workforce already running pretty rampant in a lot of youth-dominated industries... Mm-hmm. That's a pretty big uh, worry. That's a pretty big concern. And then the other one is that there's a lot of people, obviously aged over 35, who have lost work too. And so people are wondering if they've been left out.
0: Yeah, I guess those are both fair points. Um, Mm, Totally. Can you explain it though? Thank you.
1: (laughs) I've been reading for hours.
0: (laughs) Um, Shall I just jump straight into our final budget takeaway then?
1: Yeah, go nuts.
0: Okay. So you can't have a budget without some sort of housing or property measure, right? Um, And... The 2020 budget definitely didn't let us down in that respect. Um, Although this was actually announced before the budget. Um, So the government has both extended and tweaked the first home loan deposit scheme.
1: Ah, This is the one where the government kind of acts as a guarantor for first home buyers, right?
0: Yes, that is right. Yeah.
1: Cool, cool, cool. So people can, what is it? They can take out a home loan with as little as a 5% deposit without having to pay lenders' mortgage insurance.
0: Man, you are just a property expert now.
1: I'm all over it this week.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's pretty much spot on. So the government basically stumps up that extra 15%. Um, well, they don't they don't give it to you. They just act as a guarantor. So you don't have to mm. pay lenders' mortgage insurance, as you said. Um, the thing is that there were only limited places in the scheme, um, which cap out uh, at the end of every financial year, I believe. Um, but the government has actually... Increased the cap uh, by another ten thousand places, which are available. Now, I believe. Um, So 10,000 extra people can apply for it. Uh, They've Mm. also raised the price cap on property that they'll actually guarantee. So, uh, for example, in Sydney, it was previously um, property um, up to $700,000. And now that's been increased to $950,000. And in Melbourne, it's gone from 600K to 850K. So, like, decent increases there. Yeah. But, and of course, it's a but. (laughs) To be eligible you have to be buying a new build so you can't yeah. just be purchasing an existing home
1: that's kind of frustrating
0: yeah so yeah obviously a caveat there and they want to do that because they want to increase um, you know work for people in the building industry which yeah 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 makes I sense mean, that makes um, the only other thing that's really important to note with the scheme is that while you'll be able to get into the market faster with a five percent deposit um, And I guess you'll save from not having to pay lenders mortgage insurance, which, you know, can typically cost in thousands of dollars, um, you'll probably end up paying tens or even hundreds of thousands of dollars more in extra interest over the life of your loan um, Mm. compared to what you would pay um, if you had a 20% deposit. So potentially some pretty substantial figures. So definitely worth thinking about before you dive into that.
1: Yeah, I feel like whenever it comes to six-figure spending like that, a quick fix isn't always the best bet. Mm. It can be <laughs> a lot more complicated. But then getting together a deposit of something like a hundred grand, if that's twenty percent or whatever, that kind of feels semi-impossible too. Yeah, it's a lot. But um, yeah. But then somehow, <laughs> somehow, unimaginably, home ownership has been on my mind a bit. Feels very adult, but um, honestly, the only reason it might be feasible for me in the next like bloody decade is because it'd be something that I'd go into with my partner, so double the funds and double the job security, essentially.
0: Yeah, I'm in the same boat, I'm just waiting for the day when my girlfriend comes home from work and says, Hey, I bought you a house. (laughs) Good (laughs) stuff,
1: but then sharing your finances can get pretty complicated too, right. And this is something that the Finance Burrito's lovely producer, Claire, knows a bit about. And guess what? She's going to talk to us about it for the sauce.
0: Yay! Welcome, Claire.
1: Hi, everybody. I am usually not on
2: the microphones. I'm usually just... Listening to the lovely Liv and Tom and editing your voices
1: to make you sound a thousand times (laughs) better—rude. But listen to your dulcet tones. You're part of the crew on the on the front
0: now. Freddy for Claire, who has to listen to us like five times a week as she's editing this thing and making all our mistakes, you know, smoother than they are. But as you know, Claire, uh, The Source is the part of the podcast where we outsource uh, some additional insight on a topic and, you know, here you are getting saucy under the spotlight with us. So how does that feel?
2: Look, it's a little bit out of the normal, but, you know, we've asked some really interesting people thus far to be on The Source. So I feel like it's only my turn to, uh, <laughs> as an interesting person. I think you could say I'm going <laughs> to
0: mix it up by bringing in someone who's not interesting to talk on the side. <laughs>
1: well, that's exactly no. what's going to happen. I am not know <laughs> how interesting this will be. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see. No, you'll do perfectly. But we better get down to business. So as you mentioned earlier, we're talking about um, past relationships. And today it's one of your past relationships, a little bit exciting. And um, we're talking about how you handled money together. So it was back from when you were in uni, right?
2: Yeah, so this is one of, I would say, my first serious relationships that I was in. We met when we were 19 on the dance floor of a nightclub back when that's <gasps> when you met people.
1: Wow, gorgeous, in yeah. person.
2: Yeah, it was, World Bar and King's Cross for oh, anybody. That
0: R.I.P, World was... Bar.
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I don't even know if it still exists. Um, and we were both at uni and, you know, it was a, a fun relationship that actually ended up going for five years, which was... Um, you know, not sure that's what I expected it to at the start, but,
1: you know, mm. these things keep going on. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. and when you two met, what were sort of both of your approaches apart from going to well bar and getting those cool <laughs> cocktail, cocktails, cocktail, cocktails, tea cocktails, what were your approaches to, I suppose, spending cash or, or make- making money as well?
2: Yeah I guess we didn't really think about it too much but we had different approaches. During uni I had three jobs. I think I yeah I quickly figured out that you could get paid to do things and I quite liked that. (laughs) (laughs) I kept taking on more and more jobs and um, my boyfriend actually had a job when we met but then quit it. Um, I can't even really remember why but for probably a good reason, and then he went into more casual work. So he worked sort of as a tour guide at flower markets, and he'd be that person that hands out, like, lint chocolate in the supermarket. There's a cool. lot of chocolate. Yeah, so did, like, I guess, more gig work, whereas I mm. had, like, lots of stable, like, three stable jobs. Um, But it didn't really come into it that much because, you know, we only needed money to, like, keep our cars insured and on the road. and Yeah, go drinking. so were you...
1: Were you living at home or in share houses? Yeah,
2: so we were also both living at home. So our expenses were super low. Um, So there was no real financial stress on the relationship. We were all just having fun, doing whatever our mates were doing,
1: going for an odd weekend away up the coast, that sort of thing. Pretty normal for 19-year-olds, it sounds
0: like. Yeah. Hmm. And uh, you said that you are both living at home. So I'm wondering, like, was there, like, a big money test or you know financial commitment that you guys made together which you really remember like moving in together or going overseas or something like that
2: Yeah, so we went on um, a lovely pilgrimage, as most people do, from Australia. Um, A big uni holiday for four weeks to Europe, which was probably our biggest test. That was after two years of being together. Um, Yeah, so that was, you know, we budgeted, we had to research it all. And, like, you know, there was always the, like, test, are we going to be on the same page about things? Um, And we saved up for it. But um, it actually went really, really smoothly. Nothing went really that horribly wrong, apart from on our way back we ended up in a Chinese brothel illegally in China, <laughs> which is another story.
0: So you're not gonna expand on that?
2: <laughs> no, okay. no. Um but yeah, no, it was actually really good and we were actually really um We always took the approach for our whole relationship of being 50-50, although I was probably earning more. I was probably spending more on clothes and other things that didn't have a lot to do with our relationship. We always just sort of did what we could both afford and it just, and I guess because all of our friends were still at uni, like, you know, no one was doing anything that fancy back in the day. We were just having fun.
0: So it sounds like a, you know, relatively, like, hiccup-free trip then, finance Totally.
2: Yeah, yeah, No. No big money problems um, on that trip, so it was actually really good to see each other and I guess learn more. And I think financial compatibility is a big part of a relationship, as it like you know, as you stay together for a longer amount of time, you want to make sure you're on the same page about how you spend money and like I guess what you both value or respecting what each other wants to spend mm. their money on. We did actually also get a joint um, account. Ooh. because of that trip yeah we got a joint travel card that we actually continued to use a bit after oh, for the trip right 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 so yeah we got it for the trip and we both contributed equal amounts but then it was also a useful tool afterwards which sort of it was
1: kind of like a gateway to a joint account I yeah I think Sorry, that's exactly what. No, I, was just, I think that's exactly what me and my boyfriend did when we were nineteen. Yeah, I was going to so say it's,
0: it seems to be like a running <laughs> theme with this podcast. We keep getting people who like had the same experience, like going overseas with their partners for the first time. And it's, like, it's a good step. Yeah,
1: it's stressful sometimes, yeah, but oh, um. <laughs> totally. Now, Claire, after after the sort of you know pretty pretty you know good start to everything going on, you eventually ended up being long distance, didn't you, in the relationship?
2: Yeah, so we were living in Sydney for three years and we were together Ooh. living at home, still at uni. Um, and then my boyfriend actually got it. To, well, applied and decided he wanted to go to medical school um, in university and do that. But he got into the University of Queensland, so he moved up to Brisbane. A Bit of a way. Yeah, and mm. which is actually funny because at the time we were both like, oh, that's not that far away. It's just like an hour of plane trip. Like, what's the big deal? <laughs> Well, not not really, but we. Mm. Um, I had just made a career change in my... So I'd been working for about a year to almost two years at this point, but I just made a bit of a career change that landed me back at the bottom of the ladder in a way. Mm. And I, you know, because he was like naturally move with me sort of thing coming to mm. Brisbane because um, we'd been together three years and I was like, oh, I love the sound of that. But in terms of my career, it probably wasn't the best move even the headquarters to our comp- my company was in Sydney yes, and I fair. could sort of make more personal career gains in Sydney for a little bit and then the plan was always to move to Brisbane at some point um, but therefore we entered into like a long-distance relationship for sort of an unknown amount of time. Like it was either until I moved or till he finished the degree, mm. um, which is a five-year degree. So,
1: <laughs> Oh, that is full on. So how did you, I suppose handle traveling to see each other and sort of spending cash along the way doing that and everything that comes with outside of a plane trip.
2: Yeah so I guess this is where money sort of came up in our relationship for the first time where it was I guess slightly more um uneven so I will he was studying um a medical degree so it's quite demanding Um, And, you know, you can't, like, there was a lot of study to do outside of uni and lots of face-to-face hours. So, and whereas I had a job where, you know, I got weekends off so I could go and travel up there. So I was also earning an income, whereas he wasn't. Um, So I was the one travelling to Brisbane a lot. And I actually Mm. did the calculation. Over two years, I went up to Brisbane 11 times Um and I roughly spent about two thousand dollars
1: on just flights to Brisbane. I hope it was was, there was some good like plain peanuts and stuff.
2: (laughs) Two (laughs) grands. I was always trying to like get a deal and you know be on the cheapest flight. Thrifty,
1: love it. Yes,
2: but I guess then like that doesn't even take to account um the money that was spent once I was there because of course we would always want to do things. Mm -hmm. And I remember after, it must have been after about a year of doing that because all of my friends were going to Europe or going to Asia and traveling and, you know, talking about all these amazing trips. And I was like, well, I've kind of spent the same amount of money that I would have probably spent on a trip to somewhere else or at least the airfare um, on like lots of little trips to Brisbane. Mm -hmm. And I brought that up with my partner and sort of because it started to bother me after a year and after I sort of did the sums um, you also have a lot of time to think on planes, so oh, yes, <laughs> do that
1: in waiting rooms.
2: Yeah. So, um, and yeah, and obviously he felt pretty guilty about it because there wasn't really anything he could do. He wasn't in a position mm. yeah, yeah. to pick up a job or anything like that. Um, so we just made a really conscious effort that whenever I did go to Brisbane, that he would sort of like organize, um, for us to do things that weren't super expensive or like yeah. you know, we'd go play putt-putt or like we'd go have a picnic or we'd ride the river cat which is uh like basically it's a it's a very fast boat on it's like a ferry in brisbane Cute. But we'd go to a, yeah another section of the city and make it like feel a little bit more fun
1: yeah so it wasn't like you had you know resentment niggling and nagging away over the fact that you were spending more for a year you sort of you dealt with it once you were like this has been a lot.
2: Yeah. Look, and in hindsight, I probably should have brought it up prior to a year because I'm sure it probably bothered me before then. Um, But after a year and after I was like, no, I need to bring this up. um, It was because, yeah, it was bothering me and making me, I guess, you know, I was, you're in a long distance relationship. You're so excited to see the person when you finally see them. You don't want to be spending that time, you know, not, like have, not even having a fight but like not being super happy with them you
1: just want to yeah. have a great times. totally did
0: you ever like were you ever a, a really like conscious of the fact that you know when you were going to visit him you're kind of going to back into that kind of like uni lifestyle bubble a little bit and spending a little bit more you know che- on the cheaper side i guess and when you were there yeah. was, was it like a little bit of a drag considering where you were in your own career and life
2: yeah, so just, yeah, so I had been earning, um, like, been in my first full-time jobs for, like, a year or two at this stage, and I remember um, towards maybe, like, the end, at first I didn't notice it too much, um, but after he had, sort of, been there for a while, there was, like, one particular trip, and I just remember I'd been to, like, he lived in a share house, and that had never bothered me, Or not that it should bother me, but I'd never really noticed it. I was like, oh, you live with some cool people. like," And, you know, just took it at face value. But there was this one trip and I just, it wasn't even that the house is um, like dirty or anything like that. I think it just like for the first time, I really saw it in comparison to my own life that i was living back in sydney where i was you know able to buy like nice things for the first time with my own money and really like you know curate my life whereas he was still sort of in a place where his budget was constraining his life
1: Um, milk crate furniture yeah
2: yeah those things those things which you know is all fine and like it doesn't i guess it doesn't matter but i just i think that it just amplified that we were in such different spaces Mm. um, and we were in such different life stages and he still had another Mm. three years ahead of him. That's a long road.
0: And so I guess the distance would have put that into like way more, you know, stark reality, right? Like not seeing each other for such a long time and then seeing seeing him. um, Oh, totally.
2: Because if I saw him every day, you know, you wouldn't
0: notice. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah.
2: But after five or six weeks, you're like, oh, okay. And I remember like even when I used to pack that, I'd be like, oh, well, I don't need to take anything fancy to Brisbane, do I?
0: (laughs) Poor Brisbane. (laughs) They deserve your fancy
1: size. Just track pants. That'd be right. Um, Some addresses, it is quite hot. That's true, actually. Um, We'd probably end things with some advice, I think, Claire. So what would you say is the biggest lesson money-wise that you learned from um, that relationship in your in your tender youth.
2: Yeah, well I would just say no matter your age and relationship, I guess it's always good to do a little like test on to see everyone's real financial side, whether it's a big trip away or a little trip away, I guess just seeing how someone really spends their money or just making sure you can have some frank conversations and admitting to something, someone being like, hey, I, I can't really afford that right now. Um, but like I could, you know, if we save up for it and do it in three months time, I think having Mm. those honest conversations are quite good. And then also in reference to my flights and how much I spent on those (laughs) is maybe like, you know, don't let it get so out of hand and like, you know, just be a little bit more conscious if there's, say, if you're always paying for like petrol or something in a relationship, Mm. you know, bring it up before it becomes a big sum.
1: Be proactive. It's a good lesson.
0: Never let anything fester. Definitely.
2: (laughs) No, maybe don't bring it up the first time it bothers you because it could be a bad day. Also,
0: don't come across as being cheap.
2: (laughs) True, true, true. But hey, there's like, you know, you should be able to like, you know, reach your savings goals or your financial goals with your partner. That should be a part
0: of it for sure definitely claire it has been a pleasure having you on the side of the mic and um hearing you know your story and it sounds like you got some like uh some good lessons out of it in a way
2: yeah completely yeah it was a really good relationship and you know i learned a lot from it
0: um we got to move on to the beans um and this is where we lay out, you know, our controversial money discussion um, and issues which are, you know, quite regularly inspired by your own topical suggestions, Claire.
1: <laughs> yes, sometimes you... I do sway the topics. <laughs> You've always got grand ideas. So, Claire, do you want to stick around for the beans as well? So give your two cents or your, your two beans yeah, since on. you're here. Oh, okay, sure thing. <laughs> awesome. Um, so this week, as you know, we decided to uh, talk about being the sometimes frustrated, but like always really insanely dedicated organizer in your group of friends. So it might be... Did we
0: have a name for this, by the way? Sorry.
1: We we had, we called it Michelle, but I tried Googling that and I couldn't find any. Well, is the finance burrito like,
0: first Are we influencing the michelle. Yeah, the michelle
1: i don't know maybe we're starting a trend but basically the michelle if we've created it or if it exists is the person who um like plans group holidays dinners at the pubs surprise birthday parties whatever sort of like might pop up in a social circle and basically if you're the organiser or the michelle um you're the one sort of doing all the planning but also probably Putting your details down for deposits, reservations, all that kind of stuff. So, Michelle's basically
0: awesome people.
1: Yeah, potentially, potentially. (laughs) Depends how they handle it. Yeah, Yeah, they're the ones that make things happen. Yeah. Yeah. So, it could be, it can be good to be the Michelle, the organizer. And um, I know myself, I could actually be a little bit of an over the top organizer, which is empowering and practical. But also can be perilous, money and stress wise. <laughs> so I've been trying to hold back and like keep my control freak in check lately. But what about you, Tom? What are you? Are you a Michelle or not?
0: Um, no, I'm not. I I don't know what my category is. I I, I would <laughs> say that I'm the person that like likes to come up with ideas and then just okay. absolutely like bails from the conversation until everything's <laughs> organized. Track. Yeah. So I'm like the creative yeah. genius behind all of these things.
1: Yeah, you're leading the brainstorm, which is, you know, that can be important, but... Um, <laughs> I feel like that's the best position to be in. Yeah, because it
0: means you don't get burnt money-wise. <laughs> True.
2: Yeah,
1: but I feel like if everyone's like, no, your ideas are terrible, then maybe that could be a bit disheartening. My ideas are always
2: <laughs> fantastic, so that's never
1: what about What about you, Claire? What are you? I'm
2: a Michelle Um, in my group <laughs> of friends. I think they would all know Surprise! it as well. yeah. I am I'm often the person that puts forward the idea waits for some sort of engagement and then (laughs) has to like put down some sort of money if it's like a holiday away yeah be like so I'm booking this and it will cost this much and you all must pay me um to actually get things going Mm. otherwise just things do not happen
1: yeah has it ever gone wrong for you um, uh, yes, I
2: think if any of my friends are listening, they're probably shocked to know this, but this was a couple of years ago. We went on a, a wine trip away and everyone paid back. Um, actually I didn't put down the money for the accommodation. Somebody else did and everyone paid for that. But then we did a big shop of like groceries cause we were staying in quite oh, um a it's house. It's the little
1: things sometimes like that.
2: Yeah. And it wasn't even, I don't even think it was that much, but there was like probably four or five people that just like never paid. Mm. And I've I've never forgotten, but then
1: I've also never brought it up with dogs. Them. Claire, <laughs> now is
0: the time. Drop some no. names, man. Get them. In- <laughs> no,
1: <laughs> don't do it. No, like, it is one of those awkward things. And um, it kind of it. I, I did. I asked the office at Mozo what what they thought, and it looks like it's a pretty close split between people like you and me, Claire, the organizers, and people like Tom who are like, yeah, that sounds cool, or just like kind of step back. Um, So 41% of the office reckon they are the Michelle slash the organiser. And then 55% are happy to sort of like just chill and help out when necessary.
0: And then we had the like one party boy hiding in the bushes as well on top of it.
1: (laughs) That was a category. That was a category and he chose it. And, you know, good on you, Denny. But um, maybe next time... That's something I should try hiding from responsibility. If I can't hack it, because it just stresses me out too much, yeah, I'll hide in the bushes. Yeah,
0: I mean, I guess we'll have to go on holidays <laughs> and actually find that out. Um,
1: yeah, we. Yeah, one day holiday. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but uh, but until then, we'll be uh, we'll be here each fortnight in your ears, bringing you guys uh, you know more financial facts and spending tidbits like the ones we brought yeah. to you today.
1: Maybe we'll hear from Claire again. Who knows? Yeah, thanks for joining
0: us,
2: Claire. (laughs) No problem, but I think I will safely go back to the other side of the
1: microphone. (laughs) Back to the editing booth. Um, (laughs) But for everyone listening, um, if you enjoyed today, go ahead, hit subscribe, and then stay up to date with each episode of The Finance Burrito on our Facebook and Instagram pages because they're is uh, a heap of great uh, money posts and a lot of fun memes popping up there, which are sort of inspired by each episode of uh, the podcast.
0: Yeah, go like them right now. Drop whatever you're (laughs) doing. Finish the podcast (laughs) and then do it do it um but thank you again to claire for being such an amazing sport and coming on the show today and as always thank you to the rest of the podcast team as well so jada and Gemma, who are researchers and rihanna who's our social media queen slash guru so uh do it for rihanna go and like our pages for rihanna (laughs) because otherwise she'll cry yeah
1: she'll be so happy (laughs) but see you next time guys see
0: you guys Just remember, as Mozo writers, we're providing general financial product information. So we're not taking into account your specific financial situation, needs or personal objectives. We are not recommending any specific product to you. The best advice we can give you is to make your own financial decisions or seek out independent advice. This podcast was brought to you by mozo.com.au.